Take your summer to a whole other level and upgrade your life with new seasonal Box of Awesome collections from Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post sends guys only the best stuff every month. So whether you're looking to rule the pool or lounge in style with something tropical in hand, Box of Awesome has you covered from style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear. Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. By the way, Saruti, guess who has a brand new axe that he's chucking in the backyard? What's up? Yep. Like, hey, dude, what's going on? Like, they keep making all these Marvel movies. They may need extras to play Vikings. They're like, that's a great call. So thank you, boxofawesome.com. Um, and the new boxes that we said come every month, different types, free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel any time. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code RUSSILLO, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O, at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code RUSSILLO, for 20% off your first box. Hey, what's up? It's Priscillo, and we have a few more to go, man. And I am pumped to uh, talk to my dude, Stanford Steve. Stanford Steve and the Bear, the best betting podcast maybe out there. I don't know. Who's number two? I don't even know. Don't even know. Uh, so I hopefully I didn't offend anybody, but whatever. And then we have a couple more of these scheduled. What's going on back at the uh, home base, Saruti? Are you done traveling? You got some more travel coming up or what? No, I'm done. You know, same old stuff. Talking about Antonio Brown again in the middle of summer when there's nothing to talk about on Sports Talk Radio. Yeah, that was... The Brown thing at least is interesting enough because he's that good and it's the Raiders. And I find myself kind of now rooting for the Raiders because I I feel like when I watch Hard Knocks, I go, I still think Gruden knows what he's doing. Um, especially when he just tells... I love the way he swears at Nathan Peterman. Where Peterman didn't change the side of the play. They were going to run the run play and he ran right into an unblocked safety. And Gruden's like, hey, I love you, man, but I'm not going to bleep and let you... <laughs> do this to our offense. So I, you know, um, I think the Melvin Gordon week was the the test of forcing NFL topics that aren't even interesting and wondering if Melvin Gordon is worth an extension. Like Melvin Gordon's a nice player, but the fact that every day it's like, what can you get for Melvin Gordon? And then I heard guys being like, well, it's a first at least to start. And you're like, that's a no. <laughs> um, that was that was the NFL, you know, the the old rule that you get from management would be like, I'd rather you do an average NFL topic than a really good topic on any other sport. And there's arguments to be made for that. But Melvin Gordon, we don't have anything else to talk about. Five days of Melvin Gordon was stunning talk radio to me as just now a consumer, not even a guy in the business. So, uh, what what else did you do this summer? Because you got out there a bit, you mixed it up. Yeah, we hit up to Cape for a bit. Um, You're a big up, Cape guy. Big Cape guy. Hit Which up town? Maine. Wellfleet. Uh, well, we do do Wellfleet, the Beachcomber. What's up? Great, great spot if you're ever around there. But uh, now we're usually in Brewster. There's a big shark problem. We haven't talked about this, have we? There's a big shark problem at the Cape, though. So oh, beach, I get all the reports. Yeah, beaches you know, get shut down all the time. As a vineyard guy, yeah. Uh, well, so you the, know. So we were at the beach and like this is like a this is one of the, there's seals everywhere so it's definitely one of the shark beaches one of the ones that gets shut down but uh there's like just dudes surfing out there like not caring at all I'm like wow I don't know if I would be able to do that like I, you know yeah clearly like your life is potentially on the line if you're just just surfing yeah a lot of those stats where it's like hey this is the percentage of you know this is how low the percentage is you're actually gonna get attacked by a shark I don't even like talking about it I don't want to jinx myself but uh. 
if you're in the water deeper than everybody else every single day, I don't think those rates apply to you. Yeah, exactly. This is like the person who like, <laughs> you know, goes knee deep and yeah. comes back. Hey, I went, I went to Chatham this summer, you know. Oh, well, you know, odds are shark's not really going to get you. Okay, I five days a week this summer, every single week, I paddled out 100 yards and started my day there. I'm like, well, I think, I think you're in a different bracket. Uh, I had a little travel thing. I'm not going to call it the airline, as I said on Twitter, because I actually think it's lame. I think it's really lame when people are like, you lost a bag. Or <laughs> I saw one the other day. It was like, there was overhead, and you made me check this carry-on. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's or, a lot of blue checks out there, I feel like, that just think that they can do that because they have a blue check mark, and it's going to like get them free stuff. Yeah, it, it all, that's all that's happening. Now, I'm not ashamed uh, to admit. I don't, I don't mind some free stuff if it's good. No, yeah. You know, I don't. I don't want your garbage-free stuff. But I've had my bag um, gone missing a couple times, and I made out like a bandit, dude. Because one time I was like, "Hey, I'm here for work, and I wear suits, and they're good suits." And I go on TV, and yeah, there's a standard. And the lady was like, "Okay," <laughs> that's all she said. Like the whole point is reimbursing up until a point, you know, reasonable. We can approve, not approve. I actually think you can go for the jugular, and I don't know that there's much pushback from them. I don't know if you just drop like ten grand on a Panerai if that's going to fly, uh, even on a lower end Panerai. But I would say that. Um, you know, there can be there can be some benefits that now if you're with a family and everybody's losing luggage and you got a wife, girlfriend. I mean, that's why I travel solo a lot because I just kind of change it up. You oh, know, if I'm why. like, hey, <laughs> 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 my man Saruti nice. knows me better than anybody. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's one of the things. So my luggage was lost, and I thought, all right, whatever. You know, it's lost. Nobody else was complaining to me about it. I can't. But where's my moisturizer? I have. The, I can't use this conditioner. This is the conditioner I use. Like I don't. I don't care. But this one kind of sucked because I went from LAX to Cabo, and what happened? This the the check in is they tag my bag with somebody else's and, and the old switcheroo. So my man out at the sky cap screwed it up, and my bag ended up in Detroit. So I land in Cabo. I do the money exchange. Just another reminder, again, do not do the money exchange at the airport as soon as you step off the plane. They screw you, and then they play dumb. Like This is kind of the part where I think like it's funny how the country sometimes will be like, we need to do a better job of accepting everybody and foreigners and you know some of these immigration arguments you had. You realize that everybody's got a knife to our throat as soon as we land in any of their countries? Does anybody realize that? Because that's the truth. Whether it's the cab that I paid for not being there and a guy shaking me down. So, like, my whole first few minutes in Mexico weren't going great. So, I'm like, okay, exchange rate. What's the exchange rate? The guy plays dumb a thousand times. I'm like, what's the exchange rate? What's your exchange rate? He goes, no, no fee, no fee. I'm like, what's the exchange rate? How many pesos per dollar? No fee. No, it's free. I'm like, it's definitely not free. It's free money. Nice. I've, I've been through this before. How am I getting screwed? I just want to know how I'm getting screwed, okay? The old Wall Street thing. That was in the big short. I'll do the trade, but I'll only do the trade if you're telling me how you're bleeping me. And they're like, okay, fine. This is how we're going to screw you. And it's like, all right, cool. Thank you. I will now do the trade. So I just wanted to know the exchange rate. I just wanted to know how badly I was going to lose. And he just wouldn't, he didn't come out. I get the money out. I'm like, okay, this was terrible. I ended up losing. Okay, no big deal, right? Um, then I realized my bag isn't there. I go, okay, this is a problem. And then the crazy thing is they're like, what bag is yours? I go, it's a big gray to me. And they're like, this one's gray. Take it. And I go, that's what? What operation do we have down here? I go, what do you mean this is gray? Take it. I go, I'm not, I'm not taking somebody else's bag. 
They go, let's see your bag tag. And then I look, and they go, your bag is right here, Mr. Lachance. And I go, uh-oh. I go, I'm not Mr. Lachance. My name's Ryan. I have a podcast. So we're like, okay, wait a minute. Let's look at your flight number. They go, your bag is headed to Rome. Oh, good. Boom. I like Italy. I just wasn't going to be there this week. So then they're like, well, wait a minute. There's a connection to Detroit. I go, well, great. They're still in the air then. We're on the ground. Let's get to it. The guy's like, wait, you have status? I go, of course I do. Again, podcast host. So he uh, he goes, why don't you call? <laughs> like, what? He goes, yeah, why don't you call? I'm like, all right, but the phone doesn't work. None of the international lines are working for me. And he's like, we're going to stop the bag of Detroit. Don't worry. We'll have it to you, you know, in a couple of days. No problem. Boom. Go to the resort. Resort's sick. Really mellow vacation. Um, the bag ends up in Rome. Like, what happened? Shocker. Yep. DMing customer service. It's just brutal. Brutal. But I wasn't going to do the blast thing because it wasn't going to solve any problems because my bag was now overseas. And then they're like, we're going to have it in L.A. and then to Cabo on Friday. I'm like, well, that doesn't really make a ton of sense because I'm leaving on Saturday, but whatever. It would be, it'd be nice to throw on deodorant. But I'm not a naturally smelly human being. I lived with some that were, so I know that you know that could be one of those things where like, you're by yourself all the time. How do you know if you don't smell? I just know. You know, I've got other flaws. Natural B.O. is not one. Great. I think I'd rather have B.O. and have a full head of hair. But, you know, we got to work with the tools we have. So... I keep checking in, keep checking in. They're like Friday. So I stay by the hotel most of the day on Friday. I want to do the mellow night before the flight. That's something as you get a little bit older. It's like, hey, you don't have to rip the top off on the last night like you normally would as you were younger and then have to travel that whole time, even though, again, it's a two-hour flight, so I could just shut up. So I hang at the hotel the whole time. Shockingly, bag doesn't show up. I'm like, what is going on? They're like, we're keeping it at LAX. Don't worry. You know, you'll grab it at LAX when you land there. Okay, fine. Cool. Awesome. They're like, actually, it's in Atlanta, though. I'm like, not awesome. And then I go to get to the flight Cabo Saturday to head home, and they're like, it's in Rome. I'm like, it never left Rome? Like, nope, it actually was sent back to Rome a second time. So my luggage is like an Instagram model, and that thing partied this week and went to Rome twice in four days. And then I'm not even going to tell you the rest of the part that got really screwed up, but I had a guy calling me outside of my house at 5 a.m. today, which I did not expect, Um, and I have my luggage. And I just went through it and... We'll see if anything's missing. So, well, that's funny because I was in, I, I, my luggage got lost on a trip to Rome once, probably 10 years ago or so. And they, it never, we, we flew out of, I think it was probably JFK or whatever, ended up getting back to JFK. It never literally left. It was like in somebody's office. But while I was there, I was able to just buy all this, all these clothes that I, like they gave me like a a grand. It's like, yeah, buy a whole new wardrobe. So I went to all these stores. The problem was though in Rome, I couldn't just buy like white t-shirts. It was like, I had to buy like all this Armani stuff, like stuff that I would never wear. Nice fire. I couldn't find, they don't have like just like normal stores for dudes where you can just buy t-shirts. Shoulder zip. Yeah. Well, that's. I bought some blazers. I I like balled out. It was like the best thing ever happened. That's what you have to do. Right. I mean, the the sad part is, is that point you're not, you're not able to do anything, right? Because you're going, I'm buying stuff that is just worth it because of this inconvenience, but I can't really rock it. Anymore. Yeah, I did wear a yellow V-neck for like the better part of three days when I got there, which was which was probably pretty gross. But I wore a Roan T-shirt the same day for three days, and you know I didn't want anybody to notice. Although I was getting plenty of attention, so apparently people didn't, or they thought I had um, the same blue T-shirt. And by the way, that attention is not a compliment to myself. Um, and then I was working out a little bit. But these elbow injuries, you know, whatever. I'm not going to go down that road again. So that was those are pretty tame. You know, we're doing a lot of high rep stuff, trying to get a sweat now. Uh, 
you know, summer bod type of thing. And then, you know, a lot of people are like, Cabo, why'd you even check a bag? It's like, is it okay to look hot one night? You know? What if I do want to wear some fancy Italian loafers with maybe a slimmer cut jean and, you know, not your average t-shirt? Like, I don't want to go to Old Navy here. Shout out to Old Navy and the Gap family, but that just wasn't, you know, can I, can I look like a successful 40 year old who has some cash? Is, is that okay? You know? So yeah, I checked a bag. But the whole toiletry thing, like, I didn't want to buy a bunch of toiletries. And, yeah, I was at a mall in Cabo on, like, a scorching day shopping for T-shirts and bathing suits. And that sucked. And I like the mall. I'll go to a mall tomorrow. You do. You are known to, to frequent a mall. Well, when you're in West Hartford and you live down the street from the mall, you don't have a ton else going on. You and Bushman hitting the mall together? Yeah. Matt Bushman, a.k.a. the Toronto Blue Jays fill-in pitching coach, who... uh I just talked to the other day. I said, how worried were you about your first mound visit as the fill-in pitching coach? Because he's the bullpen coach, my neighbor, Sarah Walsh's husband. And it was awesome because I watched the video of it. And I go, every muscle in your body, all you were doing were thinking about how you looked as you jogged out to the pitching mound. And he was like, absolutely. Yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't want to do this. I've been here before thing. But I do want to do this. I've been here before thing. And I am an athlete, so I want to look a little bit like an athlete, but I don't want to look super eager either. But then again, like I can't Cadillac it out there because who am I? I'm filling in as the pitching coach because he's the bullpen coach of the Blue Jays. So there was a lot of emotions, just a whirlwind. That might even be a pilot in itself. Probably not, though. Okay, let's talk some college football with our man Stanford Steven. Again, subscribe, rate, and review to his Stanford Steven, the Bear Betting Podcast. But first... This from Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club. When I talk about Dollar Shave Club, I can't stress enough the quality of their products. By the way, the new toothpaste and the toothbrush that came in, incredible. They spent years developing, crafting, refining everything. They have everything I use to look, feel, and smell my best. You name it, they have it, and I use it. I've been a Dollar Shave Club member for years. I just got the thing the other day. I mean, it seriously is the best when you're just like, oh, that's right, all this toiletry stuff right here, ready to go. Um, they take care of me. They're going to take care of you, too. You don't have to be... Anybody other than a guy just signs up and does a few bucks a month. And as amazing as their shave stuff is, Dollar Shave Club is way more than just razors. They've expanded the entire line. Dollar Shave Club has you covered head to toe. They have everything you need to shower, shave, style your hair, brush your teeth, and yes, even wipe your butt. And Dollar Shave Club can keep you automatically stocked up on the products you use. You get what you want whenever you need it, whether that's once a month or a few times a year. I never have to waste time in a store wondering if what I'm getting is any good. As a Dollar Shave Club member, I know what I'm getting is the highest quality. And right now, you can put the quality of Dollar Shave Club's products to the test. Their ultimate shave starter set has basically everything you need for an amazing shave. The executive razor, shave butter, prep scrub, and post-shave dew. Unbelievable. The best part is you can try it for just $5. After that, after that, the restock box ships regularly sized products at regular prices. Get your ultimate starter set for just $5 at dollarshaveclub.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Ryan. You know, I'm actually ashamed to admit that it took this long to do this for this podcast for a year and a half. Uh, he's a guy I consider one of my closest friends. He's someone that I would say for a six-year stretch I spent more time with than literally anyone on the planet. I don't know if that's the same for him because he has a family and everything, but it's my man, Stanford Steve, who was the producer not only in SVP and Rosillo, he was the first producer I had on game night going back like 14 years ago. He was immediately my dude, and then six years on the road together for college game day. And so we're going to spend some time talking about college football, also his best bets for the season, and maybe a little story time as well. You're on vacation right now, right? 
Yes, sir, buddy. Anything for you, man. I appreciate the intro. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. There's some kind of disconnect. Maybe I'll just blame Saruti, but this is like the first thing I've been asked to do by anyone in radio in five years since I left. So I'll just blame Saruti. <laughs> this could be – everybody's worried these pods are going to be like vendetta-filled. So I, I'm glad that you went there first. Uh, mine, mine will not be. You can check out Stanford Steve, obviously, on SVP Sports Center, But, of course, subscribe, rate, and review to Stanford Steve and the Bear, their betting podcast, and people – that ask me all the time for plays, leans. I'm like, look, man, I am Mr. 50%. It's not much fun. I, I'm not going to make you any money. And um, uh, Steve crushes it. I've never seen anybody put together the numbers he does. And when I alert people to Steve's bets, they're like, wait a minute, this guy actually really does know what he's talking about. So um, I'm I'm constantly impressed with how you're able to do this. Okay, so let's uh, we'll get to best bets a little bit later. Yeah. I want to talk top 25, you know, probably at the top a little bit. Go in any direction mm-hmm. you want. But who do you um, – have you figured out your travel? Are you doing any games? Are you going to go to any? Because I'm trying to put that together now these last few weeks of August. I – well, you told me we're doing LSU Ole Miss. I already booked that flight. I got Wright Thompson working on rooms for us. I don't think there's anybody better that's going to be in charge for doing that. Um, I don't know how where else I'm going to be able to do. I can't do LSU Texas, uh, and I can't do Ohio State Nebraska. That was the one I really want to do. Um, I have – uh, family members that I'm not talking with and speaking with because they're getting married during football season. And that's a rule I usually go by. So uh, I, I'm, I'm very behind. I feel like you, when I talk to you a lot of times about travel, but I do know from your text that you said you are going to go to Austin for LSU, Texas. Yeah, well, here's the funny thing about that is McShay, um, he didn't text me. He sent out a tweet and was like, you're the man, and, and whatever. He goes, can't wait to see you in L.A. for Stanford, oh, yeah. USC. Oh, yeah, Stanford, USC. <laughs> right, right. And so that's the same weekend as LSU at Texas. And yeah. McShay, despite our, our love for the South Bay, uh, where this was really a group effort, he was supposed to join me and get in a house out here, but he went in another direction successfully. And, yeah, he did. Yeah, so <laughs> – he was. He's not been to the new compound out here in Manhattan Beach, and, and he and I started this odyssey years and years ago. So he hasn't been here, and he's like, finally, we, we have a game because he didn't have a game in L.A. last year. So he goes, it's on, stand at your place, can't wait to do the whole thing. I'm thinking I'm just going to go to Austin and not text him um, because he is the king of, hey, dude, what's going on? Like, I had a New Year's Eve thing in Arizona. I'm like, okay, I'm here for the game. What's the plan? What's going on? Get a text the next day like, oh, dude, you didn't miss anything. It was a terrible night. And I go, well, I would have loved to have known firsthand how bad it was um, by actually having you text me back. So I'm thinking of when he lands for that Stanford game, just going, oh, dude, totally forgot. I'm in Texas, but enjoy. That would sum up every single thing about you two and travel so, and making plans. So that actually sounds – like, if there's ever going to be a representation of you guys and handling travel and setting up trips, that's it. So you're, you're good on that one. You just scared me on the Ole Miss thing. If you've already booked traps, does that mean, like, four people I don't know are going to get all my sideline passes? Because I have, I have like, three people coming with me. Uh, no, I haven't done any of that yet. I'm okay. just – I know I'm, no, I'm going solo. Okay. I thought, right. I thought it was right. me and you. No, no. Uh, we get a couple of um, – there's a rumor about the Colorado contingency, and then also we know Whoa. that – we know that – Brandon from Walk-Ons, Brandon Landry, who is going to be yep. in Austin because I think they're opening up another Walk-Ons in Texas. He's going to be there. Okay, so we've got that out of the way. You seem to only have one trip down. Give me a team at the top right now. You are always the guy that would show up to show meetings going, you know who I like is this team, and nobody would agree with you. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, people still love to disagree with me, and that's great. Um, especially no, you were always off the, the radar year, guy. You were off the radar guy. Like, that's your, your I, mode. And sometimes it works, and sometimes you. it doesn't. It was great. Yep. Um, but I try and stand firm. And, uh, uh, you know, here's the idea. And I know everybody wants to talk about it. And I know, you know, the people like Saruti that don't like college football are going to just say, oh, why are we going to watch? It's going to be Alabama and Clemson. I'm from the school of nothing is that easy, okay? It cannot be that easy where we're just going to pencil these teams into the final. Now, if they get a loss along the way, are they going to get better for out? Yes, that's something that we've just had to come across and become accustomed to because of what they built as, as programs. But when you look at that, yeah, I, I would put them in their own tier. But I also look at a team like Georgia that went 15 rounds with Bama. Um, you, you, know, you read that same article I did in the, in the Athletic. Uh, they led or were tied for 280 of the 289 snaps that they played, and they lost both games. Um, and we had Jake Fromm on with Scott the other That's night, ridiculous. and I, I, I couldn't love the dude even more. Um, I, I love what he's about. You know, there's no answer. All right. You know, people are like, Oh, they, you know, they, what did they do? What happened? It's done, man. Like they know they've gone the distance with, with the best of the best. All right. And now they just got to work for another opportunity. And you put that along with, you know, a team like Notre Dame, who I think is in the same boat, but has a, has a, has a national image. They got to repair. And I put like Notre Dame with anybody that's with the PAC 12. They have to repair their image, and how are they going to do that? It's got to, You've got to have a lot of luck, all right? You know, um, I think Oregon has the most pressure on any team in, in, in week one in the country because of what they're representing as a conference. That conference needs Oregon to win that game so bad uh, to help things out. It's not, it's not done after they win if they beat Auburn, but they just got to, they got to rehab, man. they got to get this thing going in the right direction, and it starts with Oregon. But if you a team that I love, I think Georgia has everything uh, that you need to win a national title. And yes, uh, I know they would uh, most likely play Bama in an SEC title game, but I, I think they deserve the benefit of the doubt if something does happen with a loss or something. But I think they have all the goods talent wise, and 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 they also have two coordinators, Ryan, that are that are brand new. Um, the one their OC left for Tennessee, and the DC left for a head job at Colorado. I think that's good, man, because it brings about a fresh uh, mindset of philosophy. You know, where things could get stale, and how stale thing, how fast things get stale in sports now, and especially at the college game with these kids, and how they're in this three-year program. You know, we were down there in Georgia, and the strength coach told us that. Um, so I, I look at Georgia as as a team that has all the goods to to win a national championship, and they're right there. Are you talking strength coach JT two? Yeah. Yes, I am. <laughs> Joe Tereshin, Joe Teresinski, the uh Hold on, Sarudi, pick that up there. Joe Tereshin, no, Teresinski, right? Wow, yeah, Teresinski. Right, right. Never mind. Start over again. Three, two, one. Yeah, Joe Teresinski's, uh, Jesus, I just did it again. Three, two, and one. Joe Teresinski's father, um, that was, uh, that was hilarious. Yeah, he, he had locks and bolts and chains on you when you went there for a workout. That was great. Yeah, it was awesome because some of those <laughs> – every workout over the years on game day stuff, like there would either be like, who is this loser? Or it would be, oh, this guy this guy throws a little weight around. Cool. Yeah. You know, like he's still a, he's still an idiot meathead and he's doing like yeah, today's workout guy, is he's flat. Like, hey, hey. He's like, hey, here's a box. Do some box jumps over here. 
and you're doing your boxing. He's like, all right, hold on, I'm going to hook you up. Put this belt on, and he's got like chains connected to 200 pound weights on the ground. Right, trying to do vertical jumps. Right, and of course I'm like taking it really seriously, right? As if there's like still a scholarship oh, available, and I'd be like, okay, so I have good. to do like. I couldn't not be competitive no matter what it was. Like I wouldn't just sort of laugh. I'd be like, okay, well, what, what's the record and what's what's the worst guy at um, you know at like what's your smallest linebacker? How did he test out? Uh, <laughs> uh, scholarship, not walk on. That's right. No, when you told me after the fact that you were like, wait a minute, you didn't know that you could just walk on in like any major program. Like you could have just done it. I'm like, are you serious? You're like, yeah, you idiot. And you're like, granted, you're a you're a crash test dummy, and almost yeah. no one makes it through a second season, right? Like, you guys had those dudes even at Stanford. And yeah. I imagine you guys thought they were losers wearing their gear around campus. Um, there were there were guys that didn't help themselves. Um, as <laughs> Did they say as they were the on image. the team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right. But, no, I mean, you know who's there every day, day in and day out. And, you know, what? you know, you see guys working out. You know you, you guys know the deal, uh, you know when when you see who's putting in what. Um, I, shoot, what the things we did in five a.m. workouts and those guys, they didn't have to do it, and they still came. Like more power to them. I, I thought the world of them. Yeah, right. No, that's um, that's a good point. Oregon's still my favorite workout one because I was in there and I, you know, super intense and I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, not playing any sports and any games that ever mattered. I think sometimes mm-hmm. when when you start, I can't believe we're talking about working out already, but. Um, <laughs> I would start working out at the Oregon facility and I was working out at the varsity facility and you know, I'm doing like stupid deadlifts one day and then the, the, the tumbling coach comes up to me. He's like, Hey dude, who are you? Get out of here. Like, and I'm with I was, Chip. It's, it's fine. Right, right. And all I would do was like, don't look at the girls, the tumblers, don't look at them. It's already bad enough you're in here, and if you're, you're, like, creeping people out, like, don't look at, don't make any eye contact, don't look at any of them. And, of course, you know, like, everybody's running around. I mean, I don't have to be, like, a, a, a pioneer here to tell you that, you know, female athletes working out in front of you are like, all right, let me just relax, lock in, look at your mirror, and I'd just be like, hey, I'm with Chip. And everybody would just put their head down and turn away and walk away from me. So, okay, a couple things that you said there that, that I want to follow up on. Um, yep. The Oregon Auburn game, you're right, but you know the Pac-12 part of this that the you know like if you look back at like an AP stretch and said, hey, this conference didn't play in a national title game for you know however many seven eight years, which I'm sure there are plenty of examples of that. You go, oh, you know, okay, that's that that's that blip in history, and mm-hmm. the perception of the Pac-12 is way down. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I don't know that. Oregon losing to Auburn all of a sudden turns this into like, oh, I mean, we know what Monday will be if that happens, but does mm-hmm. that mean that it's true? I mean, it's it's one freaking out-of-conference game here. I know Auburn – I mean, you never know what to make of Auburn, to be honest with you. Like, exactly. I'd probably put him fifth maybe in the SEC, maybe sixth. I mean, we're talking about a younger quarterback. Um, but I think there's certain days where Malzahn's just out-coaching the hell out of the guy across the field from him, and it doesn't matter if the other team's better than him. Like, I, I know the Malzahn stuff's all over the place. I would never, ever claim to really think I know what the hell Auburn is going to be. But yep. I would expect Oregon to win that game. But if they don't, 
it's going to be this Armageddon Pac-12 thing when I would say, you know, when you start looking at these conferences and these different shifts, I mean, there were times we were doing the show together where I felt going into so many seasons, I'm like, you know who's deeper than everybody else? The Pac-12. Pac-12 is actually deeper. And maybe it yep. would or maybe it wouldn't play out that way, but at no work, they wouldn't be like any worse than second behind the SEC in depth in those heyday years. So, yes, there are times when I watch their defensive players and go, there's just not enough size out here. There's a drop-off in NFL talent. So, clearly, it's in this bit of a dip. But I feel like that kind of stuff, we, we build up these games all summer long, and we think that that's then going to be the telltale sign of what a conference is because of one game. And there's a chance that, like, if they lose that, if Oregon loses it, then everybody's going to write off, like, oh, Pac-12 has zero chance of even being in the playoff, when the predictability of Alabama-Clemson is actually incredibly rare historically. So for people to treat it as, like, Cavs-Warriors, oh, here we go again, like, these stretches, although they can be boring to other fan bases, they're not likely. And what Bama and Clemson has continued to do is insane. And the mm-hmm. same thing with a Pac-12 dip. Like, if it's a dip, it's it's likely cyclical, considering where I thought this conference was just a few years ago. Yeah, I just think it's a step-by-step process. Like, all right, Oregon against Auburn, okay? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at just, like, chips... You know what? They just keep throwing in on the table because I'm a Pac- I'm a Pac-12 guy, obviously, and I want to win them all. Like Stanford has the toughest uh, I, schedule, schedule in the country, and I, 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 I really it. don't care if they lose the two conference games. I want to win the two out of conference games, and I know that sounds nuts, but they have a chance to beat Northwestern and they have a chance to go to UCF and win. I want them to win those games more than I think against SC in, in Oregon. I really do. Just because I'm so tired of it, and I just—it's like you said—it's a new thing every year, and I just look at how people look at things now, and I think that Oregon thing is the first step—not the healing process, but just you know—I keep saying rehabbing this this problem, and that's it. I think they just need to see it uh, with their own eyes, and then and then we get this ball rolling, and then we could just throw that narrative out. That's that's the way I look at it. It's totally from a Pac-12 standpoint of trying to build momentum. That's what I, that's what I yeah, meant to say. Yeah, right, right. No, I mean, that actually makes some sense there. I mean, Stanford, once again, I, I cannot – I was going through all the schedules last night, right, because I always like doing the out-of-conference thing because yep. I think everybody hates the SEC. They go, oh, those guys never play anybody. And there's going to be a bunch of Bama-Duke jokes. But, look, Bama has always generally played people. Um, you can get on their case about the neutral field thing. I have a ton of respect for schools like Ohio State, Oklahoma, LSU, who are just like, you know, we're just going to go play somebody big all mm-hmm. the time. And we think that's what the playoff committee wants. I don't know that that's actually the answer. And if the goal is to get into contention for national championships, don't go that crazy. <laughs> you know, like you yeah. don't, you don't need to extend yourself maybe as much as everybody thought that you had to. And then there's Stanford who's playing Northwestern at UCF, and then, of course, a Notre Dame game at home to finish things up on top of their nine Pac-12 games. That's, I mean, thank God Shaw is as good as he is and has the um, equity that he's built up with this program and nationally because if mm-hmm. you were an unproven coach, you'd be like, does my athletic director hate me? And there's still some <laughs> gamesmanship in how you schedule, and that schedule, honestly, congrats, but it's probably stupid. Yeah, I mean, well – you know, that is one of the things where they had the UCF game and like they, they, UCF went to Stanford when you see that last year when they went winless, you know, and then the timing works out with this. Same thing with, uh, Northwestern Stanford. The timing, I don't know how they do it now, but that was Thorson's first game as a starter against Stanford. Stanford goes out there for an 11 a.m. kick and gets beat. And then Stanford ends up being one of the top five teams in the country that year. I, I honestly thought, uh, when they smoked Iowa in that Rose Bowl. 
Um, so it's just crazy how it, how the timing works out and where it is. But, yeah, the Stanford schedule is uh, pretty murderous. You mentioned another thing about coordinators, right? Uh, every year mm-hmm. we would laugh, and you would get annoyed with my annoyance, I think, when we would start <laughs> really digging into it. Because I would, you know, back in the day when I was hosting game day, I would read everything. I mean, yep. everything I could get my hands on. And I honestly would read too much because then I'd start getting annoyed that everybody was so repetitive. Like, Every new defensive coordinator, we're going to be aggressive, but we're going to keep it simple. Every new <laughs> offensive coordinator, we're going to we're going to have way more tempo, way more chances. Like no one ever came in and said, "Hey, I actually want to just make sure everybody understands what the hell we're doing." So each new coordinator is a new level of hope. You know, stupid T-shirts. I don't know what the hell we had. Van Pelt and I had one that we coined that was like attack shark dog or something. Uh, Purdue <laughs> Purdue came in one year being like no more hats, and it's like, oh, here we go. Yeah. No hats. Yeah, no hats. So no hats, eye contact, new coordinator, stupid saying each summer. But give me a coordinator where you look at it and you go, you know what, this one's real and I'm buying into the change. It's it's Josh Gaddis. It's easy for me. Josh Gaddis going to Michigan as offensive uh coordinator. Um this there's a couple things here. Like I, I you know, obviously an answer could be somebody that's going out like Sark going back to Alabama. Um, you know, he lost, you know, we know the narrative of Nick, you know, he lost nine assistants this year. Um, you know, there's other answers. Ryan Day's got a whole new staff at Ohio State. But I looked at Gaddis, and I, and you're talking about reading everything, Ryan. I've read everything about this guy. He didn't even play offense in college. He's a DB at Wake Forest. There's not a bad word about this guy out there. He comes from Joe Moorhead uh, at way back at Penn State. Uh, he's obviously down in Alabama now. Yes, he had a lot of talent to work with uh, with that receiving corps in Alabama. But when you dissect what they did and you look at how much better guys got, and then you translate that and see what Harbaugh has done. He's done. He's got he's, the headset's done. He's not calling plays, Ryan. Uh, Josh, is, he's in full charge. Uh, they're bringing in the system. It's for Patterson, I think. And, and most importantly, Michigan's got some serious talent at wide receiver, man. They got three guys that have underperformed, um, I think, in the last three years, and a lot of that is due to injury. Uh, they got a kid, Tariq Black, from Connecticut, who was outstanding. Played, uh, I think, two games as, as a true freshman, caught three touchdowns, and he hasn't been right since. But he's back 100%. They got two freshmen. They have their whole offensive line. They're as deep at all line as, as, as maybe like Oregon. And when you start looking at teams like that, as far as top five O, o lines in the country, you know they're going to have uh, you know talent on defense. But I think Michigan is, you know, people were talking about how archaic Harbaugh was with the fullback and everything. They turned around and made their fullback. In fact, the reason I know the story is because he's a kid from Connecticut, uh, Ben Mason. He played fullback linebackers. This year he's going to be a 275-pound defensive tackle for Michigan. So the fullback is, is, is I don't want to say it's gone, but they're going to be as differently looking offensively as there is in the country, and they have the talent to do it. And Gaddis is the guy that's going to get them going in the right direction. And I, I expect a lot of big things from Michigan's offense this year, which is what they need. If you want to get into another national image, uh, we could get into that if you want, because that's two different things with the national image and these archaic Michigan fans. Uh, but Josh Gaddis is the most important guy higher, I think, that has been made. Okay, yeah, I like that one, because you know we have this red zone stretch where you go, what the hell are you guys doing? And then Patterson mm-hmm. comes in, and it doesn't really look like a fit for what Harbaugh wants to do. And you know that I'm a huge Harbaugh fan. 
I think yep. you are. I mean, I would Absolutely. imagine with what he's done with Stanford. But then I think there's sometimes where we're arguing, but we're not arguing. Like when mm-hmm. someone is telling me, hey, Harbaugh isn't that good, and people are actually presenting him as if he should be on the hot seat, that person's an idiot, okay? I I'm, yep. I'm, will not move on that one. But if your counter to my pro-Harbaugh argument is, hey, when you bring in Jim Harbaugh, you're competing for national championships, and that hasn't happened, and if you've never beaten Urban Meyer, like this isn't what you were brought in for. And it's like, okay, you mm-hmm. know what? Like I, I'll concede that. But he is, since he came in, 38-14. He's got the eighth-best winning percentage in Power 5, and they have the only AP top-10 finish from Michigan since 2006. So what Harbaugh has done is improved what was a vastly overrated stretch for Michigan, including the you know, even though we all loved Hoke and thought he was like one of the best interviews we ever had, when they played in that Sugar Bowl game, like that wasn't really, that didn't really feel like, hey, this is where Michigan truly is. Um, hmm. And, you know, it, it obviously fell apart after that a little bit. So I'm still very pro Harbaugh, but I have to be sure who I'm arguing with. Because when I'm arguing that Harbaugh's not worth it and all these different things and blah, 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 you know, whatever. Like, I can't hear that one, but when I say, hey, this is not meeting expectations, and, you know, prior to last year's blowout against Ohio State where they just couldn't stop them, which was the weirdest thing about that game. It's like one thing if Michigan's offense isn't rolling, but to have their defense get worked like that, you go, mm-hmm. okay. Um, you know, because I was also could say, you know, there was a spot of the ball away, even though it was the right spot, uh, from, from playing in a playoff, and he's flirted with the playoff twice in the very short amount of time that he's been there. Like, I just think, like, sometimes we talk about these programs as if they're going six and six every year, and that's not the case. But, again, if, if Harbaugh is brought in, you'd expect to beat Ohio State at some point until he does that. And even if he does beat Ryan Day, people are going to be like, ah, whatever, he couldn't beat Urban. And we, we just know, you know, if you're anti-something in sports, you don't change your mind, you just change the argument. I, I, yeah, I'm with you. And it, it, there's two, two things about this, Ryan, to me. All right? You have you – have, First off, Harbaugh, in three of his four years, they've had a uh, top 15 finish and won 10 games, all right, three of the four years. In the 11 seasons previous to that, they did it twice, okay? So right. you have the success rate, all right? Now, if you just want to be the guy that says, well, he's got to beat Ohio State and we got to go to, you know, good bowl games, then I got nothing for you. I, I, I can't argue with that because it, the, get, the sport has changed, and if you're Michigan and you're this big, bad team – program with this image like that you've you've made this great image of yourself based on i think it's one national title in 100 years um, yeah no that's you, fair <laughs> you know you you gotta you have to change uh what you gotta improv uh you know get with the times because it's about getting into the playoff and trying to win a national championship sorry you're not gonna you know go to be you know your, your season successful season isn't ohio state and then a rose bowl you know, more importantly, you want to play the week after you play Ohio State because that means you're in the Big Ten title game. So the, the evolution has to change for these people with the narrative of he can't, you know, we don't lose to Ohio State. And on top of that, Ohio State was favored every time Harbaugh played Urban Meyer. Like, he, like there was, they didn't blow any game. You know, I, I don't think, it, they, yeah, they got blown out. But guess what? Blowouts happen in the sport, man. All right? And people, don't, you know, things don't go away. And when you're on the road and things are rolling and, and you lose guys and personnel and, and team and guys on your team get hurt, you know, you, you, don't, you, you know, that snowball effect, that's, that stuff's real, man. So that's what explained last year. Ohio State found a matchup. If you go back and watch the film, and they found a play they really liked, and they went at it. And they mixed in a block punt for a touchdown. And it's – I think it was a one-score game in the third quarter. That's – that's. Well, I went back and watched it. I was – 
amazed. I thought that game was over in like the second quarter, but it was a one-score game in the third quarter. Yeah, I think it was just, wow, you guys can't stop them. And with the front yeah. seven that Michigan had, you go, wait, is this is this really going to happen? And, you know, I had been in attendance for, was it last year's? Yeah, it was last year's Ohio State at Penn State game. And Haskins had like a really bad first half. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were times where you'd go, okay, you know, and here's Haskins and who knows what he's going to be like a pro. And he goes a lot higher, I think, than people thought because I had more to do with the Redskins management and ownership mm-hmm. than maybe even the coaching staff. But, um, you know, I just – I didn't think that that was going to happen. So, you know, this has sounded, yeah. again, like a pro Harbaugh thing. I think I'm just anti the extremists that probably already hated Harbaugh, were sick of him, don't like the personality. And it's right. I mean, he, when you're doing sleepovers and we're going to recruit and all this stuff, there's nothing – worse than not meeting the expectations of your own hype. And that's what Harbaugh is probably as guilty of as anything. Um, I don't know. If, do you have much on Justin Fields at Ohio State this year? Uh, I'll tell you one thing that, that scares the crap out of me if you're a Ohio State fan. They got nobody behind them, man. If something happens to him, they are in deep, deep doo-doo. Um, I, I'm a huge Ryan Day fan. Now, we just talked about that Ohio State-Michigan game. Obviously, that was the pinnacle of Ohio State's season. I know they won the Rose Bowl, but how good they looked that day was was incredible. I go back to the beginning of the year. Ohio State was playing. Now, they had Bosa healthy, too, but they were playing their best football, I thought, when, when Day was in charge of things. So I was I'm in, I, I really, really like the guy. I think the world of him. Uh, you could also bring up that two guys from Michigan's defensive staff left to join him at Ohio State. Um, but what just feels specifically – that's yeah. the depth that depth is it. They have everything else. When you look at talent and you look at you, you want to talk about I talked about Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, um, Oklahoma, whoever, Texas, Ohio State's right there with the talent. So there's a lot on fields and from what I talked to and he just always wanted more at Georgia. He thought he should have gotten more playing time and you can have that conversation for another day for what was you know, being played in front of him. But uh, I worry about the depth behind him if if, if something does happen to him. That that's a that's as big a drop-off as you'll see in the country. And it will be weird. I mean, if Harbaugh doesn't beat Day, which yeah. is totally likely. I mean, I mean this, this isn't yeah. some crazy thought here that Ohio State can't win the Big Ten again. Um, no, the, the Big Ten know, schedules I, are really, really tricky, too. Yeah, the West, the West thing is – like, I look at that and you just go – I keep getting back to Nebraska being like, how has the, how much has this not gone the way you guys thought it was going to go when you left the Big 12? Like, I can't, I can't help myself being like, you were so mad at Texas, you left, and you're like, we're going to run this division. You're like, or yeah. we're not. But who knows? Your boy Frost. Were you roommates with Frost? No, I was roommates with Troy. Frost left right before I got there. Aikman? I was roommates on the road with Troy Walters, who was his offensive coordinator. Okay. All right. Because Frost was, was always. Wait, when Frost was up in Eugene, that was always yep. one of the big after the – because Eugene's just a free-for-all, and they would just let us actually walk out onto the field after every game, <laughs> which I'm still never quite well, I knew, Yeah, his son, his brother stayed at Stanford. Um, he's actually still the PA announcer for their home games. And, you know, Scott – and then when Scott went to the Jets, he was uh, – a couple of my buddies from Stanford played for That's the Jets. Right. So we were always hanging out. Who um, was the big guy from the Jets that made fun of Strahan? That was Carl Hansen. That's right. And he was our yep. guy in Texas, right? Yes, he was. That's right. Yes, he was. That's right. He so. made fun of me when I crossed the street because he said, oh, you're doing that thing where you're trying to show me that you used to be an athlete. And he couldn't have <laughs> nailed it. He couldn't have nailed it any better. I had no comeback because I was like, yep. I go, that's exactly what I just did. 
That's exactly yep. what I just did, so I have nothing there. More with Steve here in a second, but I want to talk about Hotel Tonight. I've been using their app now for years, and it's the best way, I think, to book hotels. It's right on the phone. I'm always kind of the last-minute guy, and it's great for that because you roll into a town, you look at it, and you go, okay, what's available out there? And you just pick a part of a city. If you go to New York City, you can type in Soho. If you're looking ahead, you can start doing that now because it used to be just kind of last-minute, like night of, night before. Now you can book it out weeks and weeks in advance and try to figure out what's going on if you're a better planner than I am, which almost the rest of the population is. So it's just right on the phone. You type in the city, you type in the date, and then they're going to start listing all these different hotels, okay? And they're going to label them boutique, hip, classic, standard, all these different things. So you want to show off a little bit and think you know what's up with a smaller kind of off-the-grid hotel, they're going to have those available for you. You can scroll through all the pictures. You can look at it. And if you want to go ahead and double-check their prices, double-check them because you know what? Hotel Tonight is going to beat them. And the best thing is you keep adding up rewards. So every time I stay there, I'm adding up rewards, and then I get further discounts on the next time I stay at the hotel. And the coolest part about that, as you continue to figure this whole thing out, they have daily drops. So you type in the city, okay, here's the deal. We're going to do a 15-minute flash-type sale of a room in the city that you're looking at, and then you're going to get an even bigger discount, okay? I can't recommend it enough. I use it all the time. Every time I roll into a town, because, again, I'm kind of the last-minute guy, but you don't have to be the last-minute guy to use this. But for me, I would go, okay, what do we have? What are the options? And it saved me a ton of time. So here's what you need to do. This summer, I have been traveling around, done a couple different trips, went out to Montana, um, went up to Vermont again. We know that. Had the New York City runs, but just came back from Cabo. And I stayed at a sick resort, and I found out about it on Hotel Tonight. All right, I'm going to give you a little trivia question here before we get into story time and then your best bets. Okay. This program is only behind Bama, Ohio State, and Georgia in composite recruiting rankings over the last four years. So basically, Bama... If you take their last four recruiting classes based on um, this composite ranking that I was using, Bama's one, Ohio State's two, Georgia three. This team is fourth. Um, Penn State. No, no. Although there's probably some version of this where um, our man James would probably tweet that out. But I don't know. It's LSU. LSU is fourth okay. out of those four teams. They're the only one who's not made the playoff. One of my favorite things about traveling with you uh, was not that you just took care of everything, but you would stand on the sideline as we were getting ready, and you would just notice stuff that the rest of us, I'll just frankly admit, didn't notice. You know, you would watch certain matchups, and I'll never forget the first time that you were telling the rest of us because nobody really knew Odell. Like, you would just go, uh-huh. hey, dude, watch – Odell, watch him in the end zone. And that was the first time where I was like, oh, my God, you're right. Like, what are you seeing in this guy? And even coming out of LSU, I don't think people really got it. Uh, I'm sure the people at LSU that were there every day, you know, some of the guys we became friends with on the staff. So I'll leave you with this. We know that the offensive line, we know they haven't beaten Bama since we were there in Tuscaloosa in 2011, and a bunch of the kids were screaming, bleep you, Alabama, sweet home Alabama in the bars on the strip, which is literally one of my favorite things I've ever seen just because yeah. it was so funny. Um, but they haven't beaten him since then. They haven't scored a point at home in forever. And I can't tell if Joe Burrow really improved because at the end of the season he had three games where he passed for almost a total of 1,000 yards, a 9-1 to TD pick split. He ran it 29 times for 100 yards and three touchdowns against A&M in that seven-overtime game where I thought he was actually going to die. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he also had six games without a passing TD. So in the beginning uh-huh. against Miami, we're like, wait a minute. Like, we know he's tough as hell. We know maybe there's a little bit more than some of the other limited passers there. But then they bring all their guys back as far as um, pass-catching options. But I just 
I look at this LSU team. We know how talented it is on defense. We know there's recruiting classes. We know that they seem to play their hearts out for Coach O, but I I still don't know. And, you know, with the slight Burrow injury, I don't know if I should take them seriously enough as a playoff competitor. Uh, well, here's here's one for you. I talked about it actually with Malik on our podcast the other day. This is the first year since that 2011 season where I haven't even thought about LSU going over their win total. Um, I have been on, on down on them as, as anybody has going into seasons because I just didn't like what I saw from the offensive end. Now, you mentioned the, the recruiting rankings and, and what O has done since he's brought he's come in, and it is, it's mind-blowing to see what the mindset was and how fragile people were um, uh, you know, the last couple months before the hire, um, and, and, and to see what he has built in this short amount of time from a stability factor. And, and when I say stability, what I talk about is just when you talk to people around the program, how much more positive they are than what, you know, in those last days, I should say last days, those last couple of years with less. And just like it feels like, you know, uh, what was that movie European Vacation where they're just riding around? And there's Big Ben again. There's Big Ben again. That's how they treated Alabama to me. It felt like it was like, oh man, you know, we're not we're not gonna be able to score against them again. But Burrow has has brought this energy and just this not give a hoot's ass or whatever that he like he's he's got he's got giant. Giant courage, if if you know what I'm saying. I'm trying to keep it clean. I know it's a ESPN podcast. Um, Yes, he's got onions, and he proved that. He proved that the first couple series against Miami last year, and I said, I said that I'm like, this kid has a chance. You've talked about cult heroes, and you know that fan base, you know better than I do. I feel like, and to see what he did that last year. To transform everybody, everybody, fans, everybody, the whole thing is 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 so awesome to see. And then, yeah, I'm a believer in Burrow. I really am. Uh, the Auburn game I watched again this summer, like it wasn't pretty, but when he needed to, and, the, and they got a couple, they got a couple things going the right way. They had no business winning that game, and I truly think it's because of him and what he gave guys to believe in. They had nothing offensively at early last year, and you talked about how he ended the year. Yeah, he made the most of his opportunity. They played against UCF defense that wasn't good. They played against the uh, A&M defense that wasn't good. So, yeah, I mean, more power to him. He played great, you know, in a a time when, you know, things were advantageous for him. So I I really like LSU. I I mean, I talked about how important Oregon, uh, Auburn is, but LSU, Texas, I mean, that early in the year in Austin is going to be awesome. Uh, Delpit is is probably my favorite player on defense to watch in the country. Um, so Jason LSU, back too. I, yeah, so I, I love that kid before he got hurt early last year. At the end. Yep. I, I'm high. I'm high on LSU Edge. to answer your question. Sorry. For okay. That no. No. Not at all. I mean, you know, like lost. So like I said, this of, is the first time in a long time. Oh, so this isn't just us with the voodoo in the air. This is this is you no. from this is hardcore film breakdown. This is a Mike Mayock special, is what this sounds like. <laughs> I just think people forget they they beat Georgia by 20. I mean, they smashed what looked like at the end of the year perhaps the best team in the Mm -hmm. SEC. And then, you know, I know that the Georgia-Texas one, I'm not trying to do the Brad Edwards rule where every SEC bowl loss is because the SEC team didn't want to be there. 
Um, I don't know what to make of I, – I'd rather look at the Texas-Georgia bowl game as just a massive positive for Texas as opposed to some hangover for Georgia that's impacting what I think of them this year because I just think with Fromm and Swift who may be – I mean, I don't want to say Swift is the most talented running back I've seen in recent memory of Georgia because we're talking about a list of like eight or ten insane dudes, and I don't think Pete Gurley can be surpassed at Georgia because, I mean, we just would sit there and text each other about Gurley being like, are you serious <laughs> with this guy? But, okay, all right, so let's do a little story time. We'll get your best bets. Okay. Give me – so our first one ever, we were just texting about this, is yep. 11 years ago for Ohio State at USC, and that's when this guy Terrell Pryor was <laughs> was a big name, but we weren't sure if uh, – Tress was going to let him play. Yep, and he ended up he ended up playing. He was bigger than I ever imagined. He was huge. There were nine hundred million people on uh, the sideline for that game, and That's right. uh, yeah, prior That's before play, all the rules. Throw. Yeah, exactly. A couple uh, USC alums uh, that really got after it at tailgate uh, were were standing in the end zone. Um, so that was that was a that was a serious serious. Uh, first trip for us to go out to LA. McShay was even on the show. That was the only year we had him. That's right. It was a full season of McShay in 08. And just yep. a reminder, I mean, that's when USC was absolutely rolling still. They won 35-3, yes. to three, and it was uh, Todd Beckman getting the start over Terrell Pryor. Pryor was 7-9. Was that booty time, too? Was that booty um, year? No, no, no. Aaron Corp. Remember that kid with the oh, massive – was that the wow. guy with the huge forehead? He ended up going to uh, Richmond, I believe. He did. Great call yeah. out of you. Yeah, he was the yeah. backup to uh, Mark Sanchez, who's now a oh, co-worker. Yeah. Sanchez. Have you talked to Sanchez yeah. since he started? No, I didn't get uh, invited to the college football seminar this year. So wow. I didn't get pettiness on this pod. Oh, well, okay. it, it went better than my invite. We're in the middle of me hosting <laughs> a panel I was told to do a better job by a producer in front of the room of 200 people. <laughs> which I, to this day is, is one of the most insulting moments I've ever had uh, at the company. Uh, I was like, really? You're the guy who put a panel of 12 people up here for me to moderate. Like, moderate. Yeah, we, haven't, we haven't gotten to the thing yet. Sorry. <laughs> um, that was incredible. Incredible. Uh, and, of course, Sean McDonough made fun of me in the middle of it while it was happening, knowing how thrilled yeah, I would be with, uh, with that. Yeah, because so we did that first one, yep. and then we had um, – some amazing guests on that show, uh, live and in person. We had a girl dressed up as if she was going to the prom for the entire seven-hour show, handing me notes. Which... <laughs> Northwestern, field right. goal made. Right. Hey, Northwestern, field goal tied, tied at three now. Because we used to do that. They used to hire spotters for me. And first of all, you didn't, I didn't, use... I didn't you didn't. Other people did. Other people did. So what they did is it was a staff of three. So it was McShay, me, Trevor Maddich, and then Stanford Steve would produce, but then we'd have, like, another producer, and then we'd have, like, a road crew. And then the road crew seemed to – we lost some of the numbers from the road crew because there was a rumor that the road crew was putting parking passes on eBay that the pro, that the schools were actually giving to game day. Uh, mm. don't, not confirmed, so this may be a not denial. Confirmed. On that one, and then they would write because we'd have the eight TVs up so we could watch the games, and that was the whole premise of the show. I mean, the show was to react to all the games, and it's kind of morphed into like a talk show where I met I might have been to blame for that, but it was always great because you were just reacting to all the different things that would happen, and then ESPN would hire a spotter. 
to then tell me what was going on. And I honestly probably needed it that first year. You know who didn't yeah. need it ever was Brad Edwards. Like Brad Edwards. No. You could have put 30 TVs in front of that kid. Matthew Broderick would have just like war games to my right. It didn't matter. Like just, he would catch everything. Just make sure you get the EPL games on early in the morning for Brad, though. Oh, is he a big EPL guy now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rudy loves that. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know he was an EPL guy. Okay, so that was a weird first show because it was L.A., and we stayed in you downtown think? L.A. Yeah, because... 4 a.m. Like, wake-up call? 4 a.m. wake-up call and all business. Like, people can say what they want. That that pro, that show was all business. It was all yep. business. Every Friday night was me studying for a master's exam the first few years, my stupid note card thing. I would... I would get so mad if I didn't have plenty of time to prep. Yeah, but the people um, don't want to hear about Friday nights. They want to hear about the Thursday nights. Thursday nights, though, when we were rolling. <laughs> we went into the 9-0. I haven't been there since. Oh, man. We sure did. Yeah, no one recognized us. It was, uh, it was, no one cared. Where was that nope. bar, anyways? That was the, you were our West Coast of, uh, yeah, kind you of live there now. Well, I, I can guarantee you I haven't been to that place since I've moved here. Where was no, that? No, we met we met your buddy who's an actor. He took us there. Oh, that's right. Was that hard for yeah. Pete? Yeah, Pete. Pete the actor. <laughs> well, okay, well, give me your favorite favorite one. Do we have can we I don't know. Um, we have so many. I mean six years of you and I those Saturday I, I, nights, Sunday mornings. I mean, obviously the one I mean, we were there for the greatest night in the history of in the city of Lubbock, Texas. That right. that scene was like I I, I 08, still don't even oh eight Texas Tech yeah, beating the year number the Big one Twelve Texas. ran everything you know everything right. went through Texas Tech and then Oklahoma ended up uh, going um, but that that scene from Thursday night it was Halloween Thursday night um, and that's when the move the Batman movie came out that's that's uh, that's Dark the Knight. Joker you right. know Why Dark so Knight serious? and and. and I mean, McShay was there uh, for McShay game day. McShay was such a – I mean, no offense to Brad, but McShay brought a different element than Brad did. Yeah, but McShay was there for game day TV. So right. he's telling us, hey, I got a tailgate for you to stop at. You know, we had an – we always had like an hour in between kicks. Love stopping at tailgates, get a catch of the vibe, maybe quench a thirst, you know, before you head into the game. And this guy had a tailgate that was stacked to the nines. But he couldn't even spell his name that day if he was his name was Joe. He yeah, was out of yeah. his mind, and it was like, all right, you know what? Let's not even bother here. Let's get in because you could feel that whole city just building up, man, building up. They started playing the Snoop song. I mentioned the Joker, and you could just tell something was different that night. You know, Texas Tech didn't, you know, hasn't had the most success against Texas. I would say from a historical standpoint. But, you know, they had the talent that year. We went to the walkthrough on Friday. Guys are in changing oil clothes from changing oil in their trucks. Crabtree's walking around in a, in a jumpsuit. Um, like With a chain out. Flip-flops. Yeah. No flip-flops. shirt on. Flip-flops running uh, routes. Like that whole week. And then I had to drive to Amarillo, Texas for a 6 a.m. flight. Um, people, I mean, I remember stopping. Uh, at the gas station before I left Lubbock to drive three hours. I mean, this is 08, so cell phones were going in and out of service. Like, I remember that drive to seeing the tumbleweeds. Like, you talk about West Texas, that drive is nothing. And I said, you know what? If this, if this is the way I go, I, I saw a good one tonight. 
and uh, that was right as people just started lighting stuff on fire in the gas station uh, when I was leaving the city uh, that Saturday night. So that one obviously sticks out. We could write a book on that weekend. Um, but there's so, I mean, it, it, it's more about the people. You know, you guys, we've had awesome trips to LSU and you brought in crew. LSU, I would consider our, uh, ourselves uh, our second home. Um, no one treated us better than everybody around that program, friends, uh, you know, people on the staff, players. Um, no one treated us better in our time. So you think about that, and then you just think about the games we were at, man. Like, it's it, it, it's incredible the things we got to see um, on the sidelines, in these venues across America. Van Pelt at, at Madison, that was a nuts uh, trip in 08. Uh, J.J. Watts here. Um, I mean, there was a, there was a run. I believe that was oh eight. Was that oh nine? No, the, I, I the Wisconsin one is is later because oh eight. I wasn't even doing SVP and Rosillo. Remember, so I had that Friday okay. off to basically study the whole so, time. Whatever year that that prior uh, uh, Watt game was, there was a stretch it's that year. We went to seven straight weeks. Number one got knocked off. I want to say the number one because we went to Mizzou. They beat Oklahoma. Wisconsin beat Ohio State. Um, it was just, it was an unbelievable run uh, that year that we were just sitting on, I mean, fields getting stormed. And I mean, I didn't even talk about the, the three field storms in, in Lubbock that night. That was, I mean, we just saw people getting depleted. Um, well, it's, it's funny to that get you, on the field. you bring up the Wisconsin game because Ohio State rolled in. They were number one. Wisconsin was 18. Yep. And uh, that was another Terrell Pryor game. And, you know, we had. We had been – like, that was one of the great experiences. I, I tell everyone that asked me about learning experiences, right? So yeah. to do the national show, the six months with a minor league team in Trenton, even though the job itself, I've been through the struggles with that whole thing. But learning the mindset of a pro athlete, even if it's just a guy in A, was one of the most educational things I could ever imagine. Like, they'd get swept, they'd get shut out, and it'd be mm-hmm. Saturday or whatever, and they're like, hey, we're going to go across the street and get some beers. And I'd be like, What? What's wrong with you guys? You're supposed to go home and sulk and, and feel ashamed. And they're like, what? You know, it's baseball, dude. We didn't even get a day off down here in AA. Like, let's just roll. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And it helped me understand that, like, that's how those guys have to be wired. Because if yep. they were wired the way a fan was, emotional every single day, like, you'd be absolutely exhausted. It's kind of like when Magic throws it to Kareem and Kareem hits a game winner, like, the first night of an NBA season, and Magic starts jumping into his arms and losing his mind and this whole thing. And Kareem was, like, back when he got to the locker room, goes, don't ever – do that again and Kareem in interview says we're going to be emotionally exhausted in a month if you're acting this way this early in the season and it's really smart to remember the other thing is for me to have that afternoon slot for that long and be talking college football I always felt like I had as good a perspective as anybody other than guys you know that played at major programs and actually were tackling people but just to be around all of these different places so to have Lubbock for a night and I got to get up with Graham Harrell now that he's the USC guy replacing Kingsbury. I don't know what happened. Yeah, he uh, he started promoting this energy drink. You ever heard of it, Bang? Who Harrell? Yeah, he, he tweets about it all the time. He says it's uh, Bang a day will keep the doctor away. It's really good stuff. I started drinking it. it makes me it feel sounds good. like it sounds like you may have a deal on it. Uh, <laughs> I'll ask him. I'll ask him about it. But oh, you're well, right. Like the the stew in the air, and after you oh. did it for all those years in. You know, I would have stretches where I was doing that show with 
the show with Scott, and I would not have, if you were including travel, like, I'd go 40 straight days without a day off, and I thought, like, man, I'm going to prove to everybody how hard I work. No one cared. They were like, this mm-hmm. idiot's going to do both? Okay, fine, cool. Problem solved. Um, you could tell, you're right, though. You could tell on certain nights just, okay, tonight's going to be different. Lubbock was one of those. Um, now, I think that first Oregon-USC game where Matt Barkley oh. said it, where he goes, I yeah. want the noise, I like it loud. Because I wanted to get to Eugene forever, and that one took a little bit longer. And I think that ended up being our first one. So here we go again. And I think it was another was Halloween, Halloween weekend, too. too. Right, yeah. And yeah. Barkley's like, I want the noise, I want the noise. And then our vet move was to always go to the visitor sideline because Absolutely. there was just less clutter over there. So when you're on the visitor sideline inside of Autzen and your back is touching the wall – and the sideline itself, I'm talking about the actual sideline in play, yep. is like 10 Not feet a lot of there, room. none. And then they have that overhang chip that just recycles the noise back down on you. And I could tell when you knew something was different. And that first drive, Barkley's coming down, you tap me on the shoulder and just start laughing hysterically, being like, oh, my God. You're like, look at the tackles. They're all going no like no snap here. Just they're going off yep. of the defensive ends movement, which is the worst. And Barkley's like, I like it loud, I like it loud. He got loud and they got rolled in a way that made us completely kind of change the way we looked at the Pac twelve with the USC and Oregon. Well, the one thing that sticks out to me from that that, that game, because uh, that was that was another unbelievable trip. Um well, Greg Oden night is that that was a Greg Oden night, wasn't it? Or we no. ran into we ran into Greg Oden at Taylor's, which I then brought up to Greg because I played top golf with him a couple weeks ago in Vegas. Yeah, he did. And he was like, "Oh, good to meet you." And I go, "You would never remember because you were with your buddies and they're protective." It wasn't like he, you know, he just when you're that famous and everybody's coming up and saying hello, you don't remember yeah. the encounters the way the other person does. It's just sort of the yeah. hierarchy of fame, right? And he was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot." I'm like, "Don't don't apologize to me at all." Yeah. But yeah, Oden was in there. Ruben Drones was there. Yep. Dennis Dixon um, was back in town. Yep. But anyway, about that game, I knew USC was spooked because it was like 14 nothing. Was uh, Oregon was going in again, and I tapped you on the shoulder, and Oregon had the ball on like the 18-yard line, and I said, look at where Taylor Mays is playing. And he had his heels on the back of the end zone. <laughs> he was so scared that they got beat deep. Oh, they were so shook, that USC team. And that's that's what Austin did. That, now, now, Brian, this is coming from a guy that played at Austin and uh, was on kick return uh, against uh, the old Achilles Smith team. And I did kick return ten times that day because we did we got beat sixty three twenty eight. But it wasn't so I, it wasn't I, I like that. that yeah, of Austin Stadium pretty well. Yeah, that was a real exposed Taylor Mays game, by the way. Because when you were watching warm-ups, oh, yeah. nobody – I would put Taylor Mays in, like, my top five most impressive specimens that I've ever seen mm-hmm. walking around, considering the position that he was going to be at. And then Taylor Mays just decided he wasn't going to play that game. Like, he was so yeah. far off the line of scrimmage that it was just – he was sort of sauntering up. And then, you know, people made the joke about, wow, Pete Carroll didn't want to draft him and drafted another safety. He's like, well, he drafted arguably one of the greatest safeties the game has ever seen, Earl Thomas. Yeah. So it's not maybe the biggest knock on Taylor Mays, but that was that was always one of the great things about seeing stuff live is you would you really could go, Oh wait, maybe this quarterback isn't gonna be any good. Or maybe mm-hmm. this guy's incredible, or maybe this guy's making plays. And then my favorite joke ever was always whenever anybody made a play, all of us would look and tap McShay and be like, Is he moving up? Is he moving up in the board? <laughs> and then he gets so annoyed 
that with and us he wouldn't it was the even worst. Games with us. No, he would stand away because then if a guy got sacked, we're like, he's probably going to move down, huh? He's probably a second rounder. Because once we knew he was annoyed by it, we only kept doing it way more. Okay, again, the podcast is Stanford Steve and the Bear. It is seriously, not just because I'm friends with these guys, one of the best handicapping sources out there. So with that said, to finish up here with Steve, give me your five best bets as far as totals for the season. Uh, all right, let's go uh... – our guy Jake Spavadol at Texas State, Ryan, I'm going over four wins. He brings in this guy, Bob State, who's coached 30 years, uh, scored everywhere as offensive coordinator. He brings the quarterback he had at Montana in. Uh, I like that combination. They they won three games last year, and they averaged less than 20 points. They're going to do well in the Sun Belt. Give me Texas State over. ECU playing in the American. I love the quarterback, Holton Aylers. He's like a, he's like a mini Tebow. He's a, he's a, he's, he's built like you, actually. You, you'll love this kid. So uh, still ECU hot goes and older? Over, no, yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, ECU over five wins. Uh, they go bowling this year. Pitt, Pitt, uh, threw the ball, uh, what was it? I think that they, they threw the ball, they were, uh, seventh worst in the country last year and throwing five of the teams behind them were, uh, triple option, uh, teams. So they don't have, and they lost 2,000 yard rushers. Um, they tried running the ball again in the spring game, and they had nineteen negative nineteen yards rushing, I believe. Uh, that was without sacks too. So um, I don't like Pitt this year in the ACC and Purdue. I just think the other side that we talked a little about the Big Ten West. I think all those teams got a lot better, and I just think Purdue. Like everybody says, you know, Brom, what's the big deal? He went five hundred in two years. Have you no, seen what Purdue dude. did in the years prop? I, I hate I hate when people do stuff like that. Like give yeah. me a break. Like I everyone's prom. right. Go ahead. So I, I I think like six and six is a good year with that schedule. Um, but I their their number is seven wins. So I like under uh, seven wins for Purdue. You're the best. Um, I consider you a guy that I, I probably got as closest to uh, as anyone at ESPN, and and obviously we know we'll still be talking, man. So enjoy the season, and congrats on the pod and everything, and and being there with Van Pelt every night. So. Uh, you know, I don't really have much more to say to that, man. Um, nobody prepared better than you, man. Um, it was awesome to see and work with a guy like you. So that actually helped my early producing days more than anything. And then I had to hold up everybody against you. So that's what really uh, was, was the tough part about the job is you spoiled me early, man. And um, it was uh, it was awesome to learn a lot from you. And I can't wait to see what you got going on in the future and can't wait to hang out this season as we get to a couple games together all right man i'll see you at oxford all right yes sir <laughs>